0: You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Boom. Welcome Hello to the podcast, everybody. everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's good to hear all of your voices. No, I can't hear any of your voices.
1: Not a single one. I can hear your voice, Father Peter, but it's only over the internet because we're away from each other this week.
0: Absolutely. I am up in um, Palmer Lake at a a place that you guys have heard me broadcast from this place before, but it turns out that this is the last time I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna be graduating good leaders, good shepherds. And then they're gonna take this, We're we're the last people in this like conference center before they sell it to another person. Oh dear. Yeah, I know. And so it's it's kind of like being like the last people in a restaurant before the uh before they close and all the waiters are just kind of like looking at you like <laughs> when are we going to They've all be able the to, Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's totally hilarious. So, yeah. So they're like cooking for us. They're treating us real good. It's it's fun.
1: Nice. I was once in a restaurant with a terrible terrible waitress. And I think she was about to get fired she kept telling us about the huge wheel of cheese in the back that she liked to stick her fingers in from time to time. Oh no, are you kidding? No, I wish I was. It was fantastic. She was a disaster. But I think she had already quit or something. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Dude, that's really weird.
1: Really weird. Hey, just so you know, guys, this is the Word on the
0: Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I'm Father Peter Musett. It's totally awesome that you can join us, Scott. Didn't you just like talk to like three thousand people at once? I did, I did. Yeah, I spoke at this uh, really cool conference in Maryland called Mount Two Thousand,
1: which is this conference uh, mainly for high school kids, but it's run by the seminarians at Mount Saint Mary's Seminary, which is really cool. So shout out to all those guys. I'm sure they don't listen to podcasts, but the seminarians do. Sort of um, really really cool event. So yeah, I was there very quickly, and now I'm back. And what's it gone, like and next week I will leave. So we are on the move, aren't we?
0: Dude, it's the truth. what's it like to present to um the amount of people that listen to our podcast cuz you presented like 3000 at once, right? Oh,
1: well, it's just what I picture every week when I do the podcast. <laughs> 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 A bunch of bunch of high schoolers making funny faces at me. That's what I assume that you're all doing in your cars right now.
0: Dude, that's the best. So, yeah, well, hey has Nothing has changed. What do you say we jump in? Because um, yep, my time is sh- my time is short. Even though you don't call me short, that's that's not acceptable. But oh, my time is one. short. We'll
1: we'll yeah, make yeah. this a streamlined podcast for you, Father Peter.
0: Hey man, I really appreciate that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I know. All right, so this is the sixth Sunday in ordinary time. And our reading, so I, our first reading I actually thought was a joke for a second because I, I've actually used the first reading as a joke on numerous occasions when talking to people about how ridiculous the Bible can sound. That is my, <laughs> it is my go-to verse. Like literally, uh, if I'm talking about silly, you know, ridiculous-sounding passages in the Bible, Leviticus 13 is my go-to. So this is great. <laughs> That's what
0: we get. So, so it's Leviticus 13, 1 to 2, and 44 to 46, which, by Great. the way, what's, I don't know, I didn't read the intermittent um, re- uh, verses, but I'm sure that they were quite interesting.
1: There is a lot more on um, pus and scabs and boils on the skin, and there are various colors. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of the same stuff on pus and boils, so you should check it out That's, when you get a chance. Okay, I will. Well, or not. All right, then our responsorial <laughs> psalm. Responsorial psalm coming from Psalm 32, verses 1 through 2, then 5 and 11, and the responsorial itself comes from verse 7.
0: And I'm going to ask you about a word called a meskill, but I don't even know what that means. And then our second reading, or third reading, depending on how you count and yeah. how you relate to the responsorial psalm, mm. is 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 11, 1. Very good. Which is kind of funny. I like the way that it kind of cuts off at 11 because it also has three numbers that are one that I kind of like.
1: Oh, it's, uh, it's a palindrome.
0: Which Whoa. is how I do all my tips at restaurants, by the way. As palindromes, yes. Yes, we know. I'm thrilled that you do it that way. That's because that's, that's how we roll.
1: That's how we roll. All right. Then our gospel is coming from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Five.
0: Yee-haw! yeehaw, yeehaw. And that's it. All right.
1: Time to, time to jump into some, to some pustules, Father Peter. What do you say?
0: Dude, la- well, last week, this is the thing. Wasn't I talking about um, Job, like, uh, you know, carving off of his own pustules with pot shards? I did. It. I said <laughs> yeah. it in my homily.
1: You, oh, as, as you should have. Your homily was great this
0: weekend, incidentally. Oh, dude, thanks. It, it, it inspired me as well as other people, which is a really great sign.
1: Well, that's what pustules do.
0: <laughs> most people right. use acne cream and stuff for it but i they guess in this they case they
1: didn't have that four thousand years ago though they didn't i don't know i don't think they i don't think they had oxyclean back then but who am i <laughs> who am i to say all right we gotta we gotta read this because this is fantastic and i i'm so curious if
0: lectors are all going to be able to keep straight faces <laughs> this sunday Oh no, dude! That's the that's the best. It's it's. There's certain ones where it's like, oh yeah, you just get to watch, watch them squirm a little
1: bit. There's also certain lectors that are so into what they're reading and it's just kind of Bible land that they don't even notice what they're reading. So I bet there'll be a lot of those. Just kind of running right past the, the bloody pussy scabs <laughs> not even noticing what they're reading and I, I'm excited to look around the church and find the people like wait what what did that just say <laughs> dude
0: I, I'm all, I'm always looking around in those moments and wondering oh, like right. dude who, who really who really knows this wait did Tobias just really get
1: poop in the eye in the book of Tobit <laughs> dude, yes, he
0: did. that's my favorite one that's my favorite it's, one of all time
1: as it should be all right so let, let's actually, just because it's great, let's read the beginning of this. It's Leviticus thirteen one and 2. It says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, if someone has on his skin a scab or a pustule or a blotch <laughs> or a blotch, which appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought M- to Aaron M- the priest.
0: Or mine says priests... eruption.
1: Oh, yours says eruption?
0: Yeah, it has a swelling or an eruption or a spot. <laughs> oh, this is the best.
1: All right. Um, the eruption, and if it appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of the priests among his descendants. If the man is leprous and unclean, the priest shall declare him unclean by reason of the sore on his head. And then again, it really does just go on for a long time about more details on that. But then jump to the very end of this passage, and it, we see this, it's verse forty-four. The one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent and his head bare and shall muffle his beard. He shall cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as the sore is on him, he shall declare himself unclean. Since he is, in fact, unclean, he shall dwell apart, making his abode outside of the camp. Wah, wah. It's like, That's, <laughs> It's the worst. Guess where you get to live, dude? The church is really, these last two weeks, setting us up for Lent, aren't they?
0: Oh, man, you are not kidding, man. Welcome I to Leopard's I shall Leopard never let. see happiness again because of my pustules and sores and eruptions. And you will have to live in a tent forever outside of habitation because you are okay. diseased.
1: So here's the thing. So let, let's take this apart because Leviticus, for good reason, is one of those books that kind of gets a bad rap, right?
0: And as well, you, you know, What? Yes, well it it's it's the proof text for everybody who has any problem f- yes. with um weird laws uh, ab- about how funky the Old Testament is. Absolutely. And for good reason,
1: I might add. Not that it's correct, <laughs> but it's 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 good. It's reasonable. But but here's the thing. So so what's Leviticus doing? Here are a, cou- a couple things about Leviticus. Number 1, the time frame. Leviticus is showing up really right after the whole golden calf thing. So if you remember the story, they got Israel in slavery in Egypt for about 400 years. They're released from slavery. Moses sets them free through God's intervention, of course. They cross the Red Sea, they go onto Mount Sinai. God wants to speak to them, to give them a new law, to show them what it means to be a new people. And as Moses is getting that law, they're sinning down below pretty grievously with a golden calf and each other and all sorts of stuff. And then Moses comes down, he's like, what have you done? And they say, well, the, we didn't know. It just a, <laughs> a cow popped out. We just put a bunch of jewels in. Who are we to know? And, it, you know, it was a disaster. We could go through that. But what happens when there's this massive fall? And, and, you know, this was so serious that a lot of the ancient rabbis referred to this as Israel's second fall. They really, they put it almost on par with original sin. It was so serious what happened. So this oh is a really gosh. big deal. They, they do. They call it the second fall. So, so. In light of that, what God does is has to he sort of has to amend the law, so to speak. So initially we have this law that was simple and it was intuitive. Don't kill people, don't steal things. That actually makes sense. And now after they can't handle the simple intuitive law, you know, if you have a child who can't handle responsibility, you have to place more restrictions on them. So that's where you get Leviticus and then Deuteronomy, really. But Leviticus is specifically an in instruction for the priests because the other thing that happened when the golden calf thing took place was that the priesthood shifted from the firstborn son? Originally, every firstborn son and every family and every father was a priest to the family. They were the intermediary between the family and God, but they lost yeah, which that we, the which,
0: we, which we talked like about a few weeks ago and yeah, how the presentation and how how then the, oh. that that would be sacrificed to the uh, right. to the priest, right? The in, high, in, the, in an offering the, for doing the job that
1: my son couldn't do.
0: That's right. Yeah. Yep. Good uh, good uh, good pull there Father Peter. Hey man, I am uh, I'm just making sure everything's put together. Yeah. So I mean
1: in that that's sense if you've ever read Leviticus and kind of feel like this is really weird and confusing, that's actually okay because on one level it's really not written for us. Now, it's still God's word to us, so we should read it and we should absorb it, but its original audience was a group of of Levitical priests, so not specifically us. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing where Leviticus gets crazy. Um, Leprosy, which is what this reading is all about, makes someone unclean. But there's a bunch of other things. If you remember Leviticus, there's a bunch of things that can actually make you unclean. A contact with a dead body can make you unclean. Killing a fly with a fly swatter would make you unclean. Um, certain, Certain bodily things, biological things that just happen, menstruation stuff, that actually makes you ritually unclean. And the thing that we have to be really careful with is that there's a big difference in Leviticus between ritually unclean and morally bad does that make sense they're not the same thing being unclean has nothing to do with a person's moral state
0: yeah well this is the thing is is that ritually unclean my understanding of what what that actually is is it means that to engage in religious ritual, one must then cleanse themselves before they can re engage in religious ritual. So it's Correct. literally ritual uncleanness, not you are unclean and so you're bad. Correct.
1: That's exactly right. And that's so important because, again, once again, it's not morality. I had a friend who's literally reading the Bible for the first time. He's not a Christian, he's just curious. And he got to stuff about menstruation stuff in the Old Testament. He's like, "That's ridiculous! How anti-woman, how you know, mean, cruel, patriarchal can you get?" I mean, this is just a natural thing. And yes, but again, it's not morality. So, if what you just said, Father Peter, it, it ritually unclean, they can't participate in the rituals. What does that mean on a practical level? What, where can they the not mi- go? Synagogue. To the synagogue, or really the temple. The synagogues actually <laughs> won't come about until some of the maccabees really but but for now they can't go to the tabernacle the presence of god right yeah is, so
0: it's which is okay so that that makes sense actually
1: now now why but there, here and and i really have to have to credit tom smith for opening my eyes to a lot of this stuff what's the common feature to all of these things that make you unclean do you know this because i my mind was blown when i was taught this
0: no i i well gosh i mean i'm I'm sitting here and i'm juggling in my mind trying to figure out like okay what i don't know
1: yeah so here's the thing here's the common thread everything that makes you again ritually unclean not morally everything that makes a person ritually unclean has something to do with death or or the diminution of life right even the, the flow remember the the woman in the new testament who's got the the flow of blood for however many years it's what it's doing is it's a participation in death. Leprosy, I mean, leprosy, I was reading up on leprosy a little while ago, and I mean, the things that actually happen to a person in leprosy is pretty is pretty insane. I mean, it, it gets so bad that your limbs can start falling off. Um, you got disfigurement, oozing sores, your limbs fall off, blindness. I mean, this is a real participation in the things of death. Um, touching it, a dead body makes you unclean because it participates in death in some way. Absolutely.
0: I saw The Human Experience. I mean, that that's mm. a contemporary movie where there's actually a le- real leper colony out there. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you that's look right. at that and, and you're like, this is this is really intense stuff. Yes.
1: Yes. So so why? So that begs the question. Okay. If the common thing that makes you unclean is something regarding death, why why is that bad? So I mean, really the result of this is that you can't go to the temple. You can't go to the tabernacle. You can't participate in the
0: life of worship. Why? Do you see the connection yet? Um, no, I mean, there's something the God of Life, but I, but that, I, but I feel like I'm stretching there.
1: Well, no, you're right. You're on the right track. So the the tabernacle, right? The the thing that's in the middle of what would be the temple later. The tabernacle is was well the temple. What was the temple a microcosm of for the Israelites? Do you remember? the oh, the whole of the cosmos it's it's
0: everything it's it's all of creation
1: yeah but it's more specific they thought about it more specifically than that it it harkened back oh, the, to some place in particular e-
0: Eden yeah Eden.
1: Eden the garden really which was the oh. place where there was no death so what's oh. going on what's built into the very law the very the very worship structure of Israel is this built-in reminder that, that you can't escape because death is inescapable, bleeding is inescapable, they're all things that just happen. But it's this built-in reminder that there was a time when there was no death. Death was not plan A. There was a time and there was a place where life bloomed abundantly. The fact that there is now death shows you that the world is not what it's supposed to be. And remember, what the, the thesis we've sort of been laying out for the last few weeks, the Old Testament is designed, I think, to make you long for the New Testament. And everything in the old law is meant to, to make you long for a time and a place where there actually is no death, where we can participate in these things. Because, um, yeah, death didn't used to exist. It really wasn't plan A. It exists now, but we should be reminded that we have a God of life, like you said, who didn't want death and who will remove death one day and the worship the synag- uh, not the synagogue, but the tabernacle and the temple are a reminder of that so death, which was not supposed to be there in the first place, has no place in the temple that's the pedagogy that's the idea does that make sense
0: absolutely no that's like that's illuminating in a way that is like Oh gosh, that makes sense. And so you, so to engage Eden, yes. you 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 actually have to be pure. Yes. And, and again and you have to be set free from death. Yes. And again, that's that's not
1: necessarily something that you can that you're free to do. I mean, which is which is where it can kind of seem cruel because there's just things that happen. But it's also a reminder that you cannot escape. It's inescapable and there's no way to say, oh, well, I'm clearly better than everyone else so I can spend more time in this new Eden. No, we all are stuck with these times when we cannot engage that because that's the state of the world. Again, the Old Testament is meant to make you long for a time then that will be no more. And that's, that's the idea
0: dude that's which is this has really been a very intense theme for us as of recently is is the telos of the old testament telos meaning um the the um the fulfillment the destiny the end of of what the Old Testament is, is it's meant to point us towards something. It's it's a song that's incomplete with, uh, as if, you know, it's like when you get a song stuck in your head and you don't yeah. know the next lyric and, and you can't get it out of your head until the next lyric comes.
1: Oh yeah, oh, it's the worst. I had that last night, I was up until like midnight.
0: Yeah, and, and that's exactly what the Old Testament is.
1: Yes, it is, but we don't know what the lyric is yet.
0: No. Or we didn't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and but we do know that the song is about zits, which is, appeals to a middle school crowd. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Eruptions and spots and swellings. God help us! You know, oh, there we dude, go. There's
1: there's so much pus in the intervening verses. Make your head spin. <laughs>
0: <man>. <laughs> I'm really glad <laughs> that, that that I that I had that. Now let's talk a little bit about like getting sent unclean outside of the. Uh, you know, like. Like, this is the other thing is that one, there, there's a certain point in which death gets so serious, though, that there's a certain amount of exile, which I think is really important to deal with. It, it is. I mean, this is where you, you
1: can't, you, these are not things that you can't just say, okay, well, oh, that explains the Old Testament, what's going on. Now we can just kind of write it off or chalk it up to that. I mean, there's still this real genuine pain of, wow, this guy has to shout out unclean and is cast out of the community. And on, on, I mean, there's a theological part of that of of the the death has no place in the temple and in worship. That that's true. And there's also just a practical level of. I mean, they don't have advanced medicine here. I mean, anyone that this person who's leprous comes in contact with will have likely have the disease transmitted to them. So I mean, there's also just a practicality of like, wow, death just stinks. It it does. Illness just sucks. And and he's got to be outside of the community because we don't know what else to do. So there's and which is not just on a spiritual theological level but on a practical level this is what death does death spreads and it's got its grip on everything and it wants to it wants to destroy so we're stuck with having to deal with this right yeah
0: yeah then well, it's t- to this
1: day well to this day but but we get an antidote in the in the new testament so that takes us to the psalm right or what do you think you got more on that no, man, I'm good. Let's let's sum it up. All right. I turn to you, O Lord, in time of trouble, and you will fill me with the joy of salvation. Um, that's a it's a pretty profound statement. I turn to you, O Lord, in time of trouble. I mean, again, I'm taking this in conjunction with uh, with our reading from last Sunday from Job, which was just also pretty ugly. I mean, these two readings are just reminding us that there are just times. I I loved what you said. I think you said this in your homily of just. The Bible kind of gives us permission to, to feel these things deeply. I mean, the, you read somebody like Job and this, I, I will not see happiness again, and you kind of get permission to like, oh, okay, I feel like that too. I, that's okay to feel that. That's actually all right to acknowledge that, yeah, things really stink. It's not to give in to total despair, but it's just to acknowledge, man, this stinks.
0: And I, I love that the Bible yeah. actually gives us permission for that me too i mean th- this is the whole thing is that, that 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 it's it's like sometimes we can say uh, in, in culturally that oh the other oh, you know you can't base your decisions on feelings which is right, right. you can't yeah. if you're just if you're just living out of feelings but then but feelings are an integral part to the whole human experience that's why yes. we have music at all i mean like yeah. and and, and, and Uh, So learning how to actually feel your own emotions and not just disregard them and then give God permission to use your emotions in your life. Like that's a, it's a huge thing. I I, like my father taught me to, to, you know, invite the Holy Spirit into your emotions and then give Jesus and then feel your emotions and then give your emotions to Jesus. And if he wants to do something with him and I will tell you, I've had seriously profound prayer in my life just from saying like no okay i actually feel this and i'm going to i actually have to feel this and if i avoid feeling this then um i'm going to be missing some sort of work of god in my life even though yeah. it's not everything and it's not nothing yeah
1: no, that's a good that's a good way to put it yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put yeah. it but at, at the same time the um what the psalm is saying to me cuz i mean read on with the psalm He said blessed is he whose fault is taken away whose sin is covered blessed the man to whom the Lord imputes not guilt, but whose spirit, in whose spirit there is no guile. Um, this is an interesting psalm to choose in light of the first reading. Because the first reading, we made it, I mean, we really stressed this idea that ritual uncleanness is not a moral quality. It's not a sin that someone has committed. Yet, in response to this kind of ritually unclean, difficult passage, you get this psalm which is talking about my sin being taken away. Which is not, and, and I can see why people would be confused then and be like, oh, well, so this uncleanness has to do with your sin. He's a leper because he sinned, which is actually how people thought about things, right? I mean, they accused yep. Zechariah and Elizabeth of that. They accused Job of that, right? But I think what yep. the psalm is doing is saying, look, like you said, I mean, we we do all have to suffer through this. And we have these emotions and they're real and they're there for a reason to deal with these things. But even in your, in your your in your practical experience, there's something that's actually far deeper. I know so many of us are longing for relief from temporal things or illness or sickness or relationships that are in pain or whatever it is, but what the Psalm is saying is that's, that's good and you should long for those things and God wants to heal those, but there's actually something far, far deeper that he seeks to heal. Even if you're stuck with leprosy for the rest of your life, there's something deeper than that that he actually wants to deal with, which is the Psalm not simply addressing the first reading, but showing that there's actually something deeper than what the first reading is answering or or question well, does that make sense
0: well yeah yeah i mean th- this is the this is the thing is is the second strophe uh, the uh, it says i my guilt i covered not i confess my faults to the lord oh, like yeah. what ha- what what happens is that is that we're we're here and unless i actually acknowledge that i am experiencing this stuff in my soul because we it's, it's so it's so easy to saying like you know like here's a leprous person and the consequences of having a leprous, of having leprosy are very intense and we don't want to have consequences in our life
1: right that's absolutely true
0: it's it's like as I, as i'm going along like how, how am i going to avoid the consequences of my own actions is really the truth of it and then yeah. but then when when we lay bare the reality of our souls then we have the opportunity for authentic healing for for um and and and, and so in a certain sense like there's always going to be a love poetry written into our bodies, written into creation and how, how we're experiencing God and what God is trying to actually transform within us. But if we if we just continually deny, like it was the other day I, I woke up and I was sad. I was just in a sad place. And I just was like trying to stuff the sadness away. Just like get rid of sadness, man. I got to be productive. I got to go for this until I, 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 just, I just took a moment and paused and was like, no, I'm really sad. I'm going to be sad and I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit into yeah. my sadness and I'm going to give Jesus permission. I'm going to uncover the stuff in my life. And if there's anything that I need to change, I'm, I want the Lord to tell me, like, I want to make myself available for that. And, and so that, so that I'm not, whereas if I just go along and say, no, this is actually what my life is supposed to look like, you know what, I'm supposed to be within the community. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be there rather than, um, be in the other place where you're just going like, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just going to pretend I'm not, I'm not really a leper. I'm not, this isn't like, this doesn't actually hurt hurt you know and, and then and then the next thing you know it, it becomes uh, insufferable you know
1: well and that's the thing with the on the you know physical level with the lepers in the first reading they're commanded to do that they have to go around admitting to what the reality is this is what's going on with me unclean unclean <laughs> unclean I mean luckily we don't have to walk around shouting when we're in sin to everybody but but there, there's something profound just about the honesty like I, I just have to own this
0: well, I just, I just think about, um, you know, w- what's happening with, in some of the ministry here at CU, just guys who, w- when they're struggling with stuff, the stuff that our culture is pouring out uh, through uh, horrible stuff, Yeah. when they're actually, when they're actually held accountable and they can speak to the real sin in their life w- in a community that is going to encourage them to live holy, like yes. they, they find themselves continuously built up and alive and saying like, no, I'm going to uncover my sin before God and before my neighbor. And, and then you like realize that, you know what? Okay. Yeah. There's, we touch death, but that's exactly what the Lord is, is trying to take from our souls. And if how can a doctor help you unless you show him the, the wound?
1: Yes, absolutely. And that, and that's, you know, Ephesians five. I mean, the things, the sins of darkness, when brought into the light, they become light. There's actually power. In that and bringing those things. I mean, this is why we have confession, because as human beings, we actually need to bring those things to the light to, to be healed just so we don't have to dwell in the stuff. So that, that's very, Absolutely. it's good. And true that. So true that, <laughs> which takes us to the first reading or the second read, The second reading from 1 Corinthians, right? <laughs> um, did we ta- I'm trying to remember the reading from last week cause I, did we talk about the the meat sacrifice to idols last week what was what was the yeah we, d-
0: last week? we 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 mentioned it we were talking about it in in our in our podcast
1: so i mean this this kind of flows from that oh i made myself free oh i'm just reading last week's yeah so i mean I, um again w- what was going on in corinth we talked about this a little bit there's these christians who just kind of think they're better than everybody else because they know they're well catechized they know what's going on I have a right to do whatever I want to because I know, you know, basically they were saying, I have a right to go to these pagan temples because I know these gods don't really exist. And if somebody's scandalized by me going there, who cares? It's not my problem. They should understand. It's them. on they their head. They should be better catechized. That's what he's saying. And and so that's where Paul kind of is coming from when he says this. Brothers and sisters... um, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Avoid giving offense, wherever, um, whether to Jews or Greeks, or the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in every way, not seeking my own benefit, but that of the many, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Here's the thing about Paul. Um, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or do anything, do it for the glory of God. Imagine, so Paul's not a leper, but he has... so. In, in the book of Second Corinthians, Paul, which comes after this... Remember, First Corinthians didn't seem to go over very well. People didn't like being called little babies and being excommunicated and all sorts of the stuff that happens in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> I,
0: I wonder why. You know? Yeah, I can't imagine.
1: But we don't know exactly what happened in between, but in Second Corinthians, Paul spends the letter on the defensive, basically. And you get the idea, you can glean it from the text of, of the next letter, that they've been accusing him of all these things. They're, they're like, he's not legitimate. And and basically Paul goes through this resume of all the things in his life that have just been terrible <laughs> and all the ways that he's just getting hosed. Basically, he says, you know, I'm, I'm not well-spoken. Uh, spoken. I'm short. I'm bald. I'm, I've am i been shipwrecked. I'm sick. I'm in prison all the time. And basically, the, the, the Corinthians are looking at this and be like, well, wait a second. Here's this short, not well-spoken guy who's always in prison and shipwrecked and ill and sickly and just pathetic. How can he possibly be this great prophet of God, right? The prophets were like, Moses and they glowed when they came off the mountain and they were great and powerful and this guy's pathetic and instead of trying to say well no you know I'm, I'm actually really great look at look at all the good things about me he says no I'm gonna take my quote-unquote spiritual leprosy let's say and I'm gonna use it as a banner and I'm gonna use it for the glory of God whatever I do my shipwreck my illness my sickness my lack of artic- being articulate I'll use it all for God's glory and it, he's being like the leper in the first reading and saying, I'll shout it out. Because ultimately, and Paul's whole thing is that it's not about him. People are having this problem of of worshiping their leaders. And he says, no, don't worship me. I'm not the Christ. And if I look weak and pathetic, all the better because you can't mistake me for the one who I represent. So he's kind of yep. taking on that call of the leper in the first reading and saying, yeah, I'll proclaim it. I'll wear it as a banner because I want everybody to know even that, even these sufferings in our lives to do and to take on for the glory of God, as he says here. I mean, imagine the worst thing going on in your life, the, the, the heaviest suffering that you have and trying to find some way to bear that for God's glory. Which sounds counterintuitive, and it's, it's totally the opposite of the, the health and wealth gospel that our culture really loves. But that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, no, it's, a, it's my resume, man. I follow a God who was spit on and, and beaten and crucified and led up a hill and bloodied. And if I get to participate in some of that, then let's go. This is, this is, this is awesome. But he's, yeah, yeah he's taking yeah, he's- on the first reading.
0: Yeah, and uh, and I mean, like, there's two things happening too. He's 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 trying to inspire them yep. to be able to actually take up a really more difficult practice, but he's also showing them the way in which he's done it. Yes, trying to give them the the potential for possibility to say like, yes. no, like, like my life is lived. Be imitator of uh, of me as I am of Christ, because check this out. I have not rejected the cross, and yes. and like and I've loved you, and in fact, you've even rejected me. But th- see, we're still good. Like, yeah. I, it, and it's okay. And the, there's still love. And, but this is what you got to do. Whatever you do, you have to do it for the glory of Christ. Yes. It's not, there's, there's nothing that's outside the purview view of grace. It's not yeah. like, n- it's, it's, it's in a certain sense, we, we have like, at, at, in the first reading, you're looking and you're saying like, well, here, like no, there, there was some requirements, but we're going to go and we're going to say, no, like, let's give our whole lives. Even though uh, health got touched in a very real way, let's actually go deeper than just the body and let's go into the spirit. Yeah, totally.
1: But as our gospel then shows, what God wants to do is not he doesn't the body's not outside of that. It's actually it's actually a part of that as well, which I think is what the gospel shows is that it is a whole picture. So we can't we can't be so naive as to use the first reading as just kind of a metaphor for a spiritual reality because it, it is a both and. Right and like you said, yep. the whole the fact that we have emotions and all these things. I mean, it is a both and God wants all of us, which yes. is why He came in a body and suffered in a body and died in a body. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's, it's crucially important. But this gospel reading just, oh man, it knocked my socks off today. So let's let's go through this because I mean, this is, hoo-hoo-wee. this is good stuff. <laughs> so speaking of lepers, a leper came to Jesus, and this is again we're just following right where we left off last week. It says, a leper came to Jesus and kneeling down, begged him and said, if you wish, you can make me clean. Again, we talked about kind of the horrors of of leprosy, right? And how just, I mean, this guy could have missing limbs, you know, all sorts of stuff. But but first of all, um, the fact that he... Approaching Jesus is actually a really gutsy move, right? Because not only is he, he's basically violating the structure of the law in which he's supposed to be outside and away from everybody. He's totally violating that. But he's hes risking, he's risking all sorts of things. I mean, he's risking Jesus just saying no, but he's also risking everybody being like, oh, you this, lose this disgusting, you know, awful. I mean, uh, Jesus, for all he knows, could reject him. He doesn't know. I mean, this is a, pre- it's a pretty bold thing for him to do. And kind of going against things. And he,
0: he says... It's, these, yeah, it's, it's so socially unacceptable in a real so way. It's so socially unacceptable.
1: For good reason. And, and again, he's probably pretty contagious too. So, I mean, that's it's a risky thing on all fronts. And it yes. says... Uh, what does he say? Um, yeah, if you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said to him, I do will it may, uh, um, be made clean. What, what, what was it just reading? And the leprosy left him... Yeah. But
0: you know, what's funny is, is like, I look at that and I'm like, I have a really big question about God is powerful. Okay. Like no. let there be light and light was made. Right. Yeah. True. It was just uttered and creation came into existence. Yes. And he touched him. Yeah. Couldn't he have just said like, you know, sweet, be clean, go yourself, sew yourself to the priest. I think he's done that in other places too. But he,
1: I don't think he can do it here not because god is limited in any way but because of the own restrictions he put up because think about it in in the whole uh, the whole first reading i mean the whole uh, the, all the stuff on leprosy and what you have to do and what you can't do the idea is if someone has leprosy they're declared unclean and cut off from the community because if they touch some, if someone who is ritually unclean forget leprosy for a second anything if a, a person menstruating or somebody who killed a fly anybody who's unclean if they touch someone else what happens to that other person
0: they become ritually unclean as well. They
1: become ritually unclean. So ritual uncleanliness is spread by touch. It's fundamental to the nature of being ritually unclean. So it's not enough for Jesus just to speak it. He, he has to show, and he's showing in a very dramatic way, the, he embodies the reversal of the law. Because in the law, if somebody touches somebody who's clean, if someone unclean touches someone who's clean, that person becomes clean. But Jesus embodies the exact reverse of that structure. So instead of being made ritually unclean when Jesus is touched, he reverses the flow. He reverses the direction of the uncleanness. And because he is ultimately clean, he makes this guy clean. But it kind of raises the question, how does that have, well, he's Jesus and he's God, so that's good. But no, think about it. You said it in the first reading. Why is it that someone who's ritually unclean can't take part in the, the in the in society? What is because it about Because
0: b- b- they have encountered death and were actually meant to have an icon of Eden. Is that you, what was that what you you're looking for? Go,
1: your first line was so good because they have encountered death. So what happens to this guy when Jesus touches him?
0: He encounters life. He encountered he comes, life. So it's not he just. He actually the,
1: comes to the true temple. Yes, because Jesus is the tabernacle. He is the temple. He is the Eden. He is all of it. He is life, the very definition of life. So being touched by the new temple actually is the source of life to this point who is dead. Oh, man. Again, not just because he's Jesus and he's cool, but because he is life. I mean, what. The unclean people have in common is death. So what heals death, life does. So he's touched by life, and he comes back to life, and he embodies that. Which is, I, I think is profound. But there's more. But wait, there's more. Oh, and wait, there's more. Not is, only does it chop, but it dices as well. <laughs> I think this is really cool, though, because, um, yeah, be cl- it, it is interesting, the, the wording that Mark chooses to use says the leprosy left him immediately he was made clean then warning him sternly he dismissed him at once grammatically speaking you you actually get the idea that mark is treating the leprosy in the same way he treats the demons I'm not saying he's demonic because he has leprosy but mark is actually treating demons and human sickness in the same way that Jesus is just dealing with them exactly the same so he's casting out Mm. the demons he's casting out the sickness because he has authority over both but here's what I think is interesting the next line, he said to him, well, "See that well, well, you t- well, hold on, hold on, okay, hold okay, on okay, okay, before okay, okay. before we get
0: there." All right, all right. one of the things that, that all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, the uh, the thing that's really funny is that whenever you see in Scripture Jesus saying, "Okay, so don't tell anybody," right, the, the, like you know what's coming next, <laughs> usually, Usual. usually, usually, it's, it's, it's called the no. I mean, come secret. on. Really? I've, I cuz I've never I I cannot recall a time in scripture where he says don't tell anybody like they get healed don't tell anybody. It's immediately following they start to telling everyone.
1: Yeah, usually the more disturbing ones are when Jesus tells people to tell people and they don't do anything and they go and keep it to themselves. Mm. That's almost more disturbing. But why does Jesus tell him to be quiet about it? Um well cuz he just touched a leper. Yeah, that's a part of it. Well, yeah, more on that in a second. But part of it, you can actually find a um, a structure in the Gospels when usually when Jesus tells people to not tell anyone what happened, it's because he's in in heavily Jewish-controlled territories. So there's Jewish leaders who would seek to kill him. Whenever he tells people to share what happened, it's usually because he's in heavily Gentile territories where he doesn't face the the political threats of the Jewish leaders. That That oh. tends to be the case, but oh, this one is even more cool. interesting. Does that make sense? yeah, yeah, for And sure. yeah people usually yeah don't, don't follow what he says, but here's what I think is cool, so he said, don't tell tell no one anything, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed that'll be proof for them. Is't it kind of interesting? I mean Jesus has clearly um he's, uh, what's the word? He's, he's circumscribed the whole temple system. He's made, I mean, the priests are the ones who actually make these people ritually clean. They offer the sacrifice and they, I mean, not for a leper, but for other people, I mean, you have to go through a priest to have this happen. Jesus has clearly abandoned the whole system, the whole structure. He's totally, um, uh, gone over its head in a certain sense. Right. So why would Mm -hmm. he have this guy if he's totally usurped the whole system? Why does he have this guy go back? Don't tell anybody, but do go tell the priest. Why do you think that is? Because I was thinking about this this morning, and I had an interesting thought. Hit me with it, man. I, I, I want to hear what you're thinking. Because if you go back to the first reading, what, where this law actually comes from, from Leviticus 13, if somebody has this leprosy, the job of the priest is to declare him publicly unclean, which is how everybody knows that he is now cut off from the community. In sending this guy back to the priest, it's not just Jesus saying, hey, look how great I am. I healed you. Now go have a nice life. He says no you need to know go back to the to the priestly structure so that that priest can see you and witness this and declare you publicly clean for everyone to hear so that you can actually come back into society i need that priest to make that public declaration so that you are now part of your community again because I, and i love how much jesus cares about all of those aspects of our life. I want you to be reinstated, not just, I'm just going to do a magic trick and send you on your way. I want your life to be changed, which I just think is kind of beautiful. And then the, the offering for what was prescribed. Uh, I forget what the offering was. was Yeah.
0: Probably some turtle doves or something. It was, it was, Um, it was was
1: two clean birds. One is, Oh, it was actually interesting. I was reading on this. So the prescribed right was to take two clean birds One of them to be sacrificed and the other bird to be dipped in the blood of the first one. And then the bloody living bird would fly away free,
0: covered in the blood of the (laughs) sacrificed one. Isn't that interesting? Well, that that sounds a lot like our liturgy. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess it kind of does, actually. Yeah, we, I mean, like, that's the whole thing is that, man, we, like, the blood of Christ covers us, and we go away free after we witness the, um, witness Christ's sacrifice of, of himself on the cross for us.
1: Well, and it's actually poured into us. We're dipped in the blood of his sacrifice
0: and then set free. Absolutely. Wow. And then, and then that's. <laughs> that's wow, crazy. that's cool. What? <laughs> that's crazy. Awesome. <laughs> wow. It's a good thing you let me share the prescription. Yeah, yeah no, you aren't <laughs> kidding. I didn't even, I didn't even realize. Well, what's cool too is what follows. Like oh. going off uh, off of off of this is like okay, so here this guy he he doesn't listen to Jesus, of course, no. because they they never do. And he went agra- <laughs> he went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He what, spread you, the report abroad. Do you know what it actually says in Greek? No. He went and
1: began to preach a lot. The, the technical term is preach a lot in the
0: preach a lot <laughs> that's that's
1: the technical term for what he does which i love
0: dude that which is very that's like he's encountered christ and he wants to go for it yeah man um but but then it's so this is what i find so beautiful and this is one of my favorite moments in scripture okay um is Is so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places and and people kept coming to him from everywhere. Yeah. That um, Jesus, having touched the man, made him clean. And he himself didn't become unclean Mm -hmm. because he is pure entirely. But he takes the effects of the leprosy, the ostracization. Yes. and, And it's him. And so yes. now he's he's out and, and like that sacrifice that you would offer f- uh, in the temple, um, he is taking o- on himself the consequences yes. of of this leprosy. And but yet this is what's so cool is that is that the basileia to Theu, the the kingdom of God, mm. is 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 being cracked wide open Eden is being cracked wide open so that even the deserted places are being filled with life and so they're coming out to him and and so like I just love it it's it's sometimes sometimes we just think that Jesus took everything on himself at the cross but this is like he actually even takes the effects of social ostracization on himself which is something really important for modern Catholics to even understand man we've been touched by him and he uh, and we're it's just really it's just so beautiful and and deep, there's so many things I want to say about it, but I, I just have to feel how beautiful, beautiful it is that God would do that when we, when, when, through that touch. I'm so happy you went there.
1: I'm so happy you put the cherry on top. That's it's that's it's so cool. And the deserted place it's the same phraseology that's used in the first reading of about where the leprous people had to dwell, and then Jesus goes and dwells there. That's so it's so cool. He totally takes it on
0: oh man he does dude this was this is some good stuff today no wonder you texted me this morning and said how (laughs) awesome all these readings were man i I was like reading them in class i felt like i was like totally like (laughs) i I felt like i was cheating in my (laughs) class you know like reading notes
1: oh man it's these these are great readings
0: they were awesome yeah oh Um, boy gosh Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this uh, beautiful, wonderful day. Um, uh, and if there's any lepers listening, we thank God that there's some cures for it. <laughs> right, yes, we do. We're grateful for you. And um, and uh, Scott, I- I'll see you at home whenever I get there. Father Peter, I will see you
1: soon. I have your stuffed bear replica of you in your in your seat looking at me.
0: <laughs> Dude, I, you sent me that picture I loved every minute of that Oh, good, good It makes me feel like you're here with me, sort of <laughs> I know, we didn't Skype I didn't get to see your face But it was actually kind of okay today Because, I mean, you're, you're, you're a good looking man But Thanks, um, man. I could actually pay attention to the readings I, yeah. I looked at them more than I looked at you
1: Well, that's cool. pr- probably for the best Alright, you guys, send us an email Find us on Facebook um, Check out Veraboom Software It's awesome And we will be back next week keep it real. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at See you next week.